This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to Little Gold Men, the podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply that proves that award season really is a year-round event. I'm Katie Rich, the deputy editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here with Vanity Fair's digital director, Mike Hogan. Hey, Katie. And Vanity Fair's film critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. Well, you can tell from my excitement that uh, even though the Oscars are over and we are as as excited as anyone not to make any predictions or talk about the Hollywood Foreign Press for many more months, there's still a lot to talk about. I think as we proved with the earlier part of the season, the seeds of Oscar season are sown really a long time before the awards, and there's a lot to talk about in what we're calling the off-season, basically between now and the start of the Toronto and Telluride Film Festivals in September, which is when we started this podcast back at last September. So we're hoping you'll join us for this broad range of conversations between now and festival season when the whole whole rat race starts all over again. And speaking of the rat race, we're joined by Decider's Joe Reed today, who is one of those crazy people who's already made his 2017 Oscar predictions. And we will make fun of him a little bit for doing such a thing, but then also mine all of his knowledge about what's going to be happening throughout this year. And then from there, we'll talk about Midnight Special, which is one of the few quote-unquote serious movies that have opened so far this year from the director of Mud, Jeff Nichols. And then we'll do something a little bit different from going big before we go home. But because it's early in the season, we'll go bold with a new segment called If the Oscars Were Held Tomorrow. And now we'd like to welcome back our most frequent guest, Joe Reed of TheCider.com. Hi, Joe. I am so proud to be your most frequent guest. Yeah, we, we are happy to have you. So as we've warned you, we've kind of brought you in to make fun of you. That's because totally uh, legitimate. You published your 2017 Oscar predictions or a conversation about 2017 sure. Oscar predictions. Leading up, leading up to some Oscar predictions. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> so we a horrible wanna, thing to do. <laughs> we want to know what they are because, you know, we're actually secretly curious about what you're predicting. But uh, <laughs> sure. first of all... Why start now? Can you just not help yourself? I think it's a few things. I've been, like, doing this kind of thing forever, and it's just one of those things that really gets me excited for the coming year of movies. Part of it is that after however many months of the Oscars, the the previous year's Oscars, like, I'm so ready to talk about other movies. And this is just, <laughs> yeah. like, the biggest bucket full of other movies that I can think about, when that I can sort of anticipate. you put the remnant in the closet and just Exactly, exactly. And it's just like, I don't want to think about you for a while. I'm going <laughs> to think about brand new things. And it's just, for me, it's fun. For me, it's like a fun guessing game. And I know that there is some sort of consternation in in certain circles that it's 
prioritizes certain movies too much right off of the bat and like getting this whole conversation. Not me, but like people who do this, you know, for a living and get paid for, you know, Oscar blogging and that kind of thing, that it kind of narrows the discussion too much. To me, it's just fun. To me, it's just like a good time. It's the thing that made us look at Black Mass being like, oh, Black Mass is going to win 100 Oscars because we had been talking about it since March because we had seen a picture of Johnny Depp on set or whatever. Right. And people like us had gone like, oh, yeah, best actor. Well, and it's fun to be like, you know, okay, well, the Oscars like this kind of thing. I wonder if they'll like this kind of thing. And like sometimes you're totally completely off. And, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, Charlie Wilson's war. How can that lose? And then (laughs) sometimes it's like... A year ahead of time when I'm just like, this movie, The Last King of Scotland, seems like it might be a cool thing for, like, Forrest Whitaker, who had never been nominated for anything. And then a year later, I can be like, aha, I saw that Forrest Whitaker thing coming. And it's like, you know, it's a fun little bit so of So you're right 10% of the time, but that 10% yes, but that 10% great. of the time. Exactly, exactly. Has and your average improved at all over the years of no. doing this? Nope. Nope. <laughs> it hasn't. Um, and I know that. I think, like our friend Nathaniel Rogers, who runs uh, the film experience, he does predictions every year. He does them on April 1st or thereabouts. And he has a really good sort of philosophy in that it's just you're so it's the odds are so against you of being exactly right. Then why not just sort of like take some fun chances and Mm -hmm. just like try and hit those really unlikely predictions. And I think that's that's, you know, fun. I think the process of it to me is much more fun than actually getting things right. Like I I very rarely I don't even remember what I predicted last year, but it's just like it's such a good way of getting me primed for the next year's worth of movies, particularly the next year's worth of movies that you're not going to see advertised, say, at the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. where it's like all the summer blockbusters or that stuff. haven't been teased at Comic-Con relentlessly. I mean, yeah. sure, sure, sure. smaller stuff. That right. This is my yeah. Comic-Con. This is where I get yeah. hyped for the light between oceans. Well, and you <laughs> are a sports fan, too. Like, yeah. I feel like you understand as well as anyone how Oscars can be sports and at oh, this yeah. point especially when like no one's spending money yet I mean there's people being paid to like strategize for Birth of a Nation right now but right. like it's still so fantasy based that you can really kind of enjoy it right totally now. totally and like these movies could be anything at this point that's the thing is mm-hmm. there's no like this, there's the stuff that's you know premiered at Sundance that we know a little bit about but like most of these movies haven't been seen and like to like some people would be like yeah that's why you shouldn't be talking about it but it's like <laughs> no that's why I find them so interesting because there's such like there's you know, it's the you know, unpredictability. And there's hope. There is. We haven't seen anything. Well, we've seen Our a hopes few haven't things, been but, dashed, but we're, yeah. we're actually optimistic and looking forward to these movies rather than sake of talking about them. No, exactly. this is like is nice. this is so much like the the first podcast we did right before Toronto, when we were like, look at all these great movies we're going to go exactly. see before the. Uh, yeah. I mean, not that you know our minds were dashed after that, but but you know we. Gets, we, when we still had high hopes for the Danish girl or something. Yeah. Right, yeah. totally. Hey, yeah. you know what? Alicia Vikander got that Oscar. It's true, she did. Yeah. So. Okay, well, uh, speaking of Alicia Vikander, yes. she's going to be back. Okay, so let's caveat that you're none of these are set in stone. Right. We are not holding you to any of this. Sure. Nor would anyone dare say they know what's going to win anything right now. Right. But there's this Michael Fassman or Alicia Vikander movie that I feel like we should have our eye on. Yeah, The, uh, the Light Between Oceans. I think there's a lot of these sort of early Oscar predictions come down to like, okay, what are the, what elements do they have going for them? So... Alicia Vikander and Michael Fassbender are the two leads. They were both nominated this year. Oscar, you know, so you know that Oscar, they're on Oscar voters' radar, mm-hmm. that they they like them to a certain degree. It's directed by Derek C. in France, who has not had success without, like, Michelle Williams got nominated for Blue Valentine. I can't remember whether he got a screenplay nomination, but I don't think I don't he think did. So. And then Place Beyond the Pines didn't really do anything. But Blue Valentine got that Harvey Weinstein like crazy campaign because yes. it got the NC-17 so it got like it got right. more hype than is indicated by its low right. number nomination. So he feels like a director who they might be ready to like 
give themselves to. And with this, like, it's a romantic drama. So it's and it's based on a popular novel. So, like, those are all elements that sometimes that's again, sometimes lead to Oscar (laughs) success. I will say because it's a romantic drama, those movies tend to get a little overrated in the year ahead stuff where like a romantic drama hasn't really won Best Picture since the English Patient, am I am I remembering Titanic, that right? Titanic, kind of. Sure, sure. But Titanic had so much yeah. other stuff going for it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Shakespeare in Love had so much other stuff going for it. Like, and that's a comedy anyway. So I think this could be a thing for acting. What I would really keep my eye on, the trailer has already been released. Rachel Weisz seems to have a really big part in it for being a supporting actress. And those are the things that I sort of look at and I'm just like, they're going to have a good time campaigning Rachel Weisz because she's like, she's a mother who's lost her child. And like that, it seems like she could have a a lot of really good material. And of course, we know that like in the supporting categories, they like people who have a lot of screen time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. The scuttlebutt about this movie was that it was ready last year. Right. And there was some there was some thinking that it was even going to be at Cannes last year. And then they pushed it again. And so that could either be a good thing, like how they pushed um, Carol Carol to get to make room for Blue Jasmine or from Blue Jasmine. But but it could have, you know, it was still a good movie Um, or it could be bad. Right. So we don't know. Well, right now it's release date is set in September. I don't know if I would put my bets on it staying there because September seems like and like early September. So it seems like a little bit of a no man's land. Oh, like during Toronto. Right. So I feel like if they like it in some of the earlier festivals this year, if they if it does play can or something like that, then they could, you know, move that into a Toronto premiere and bump that release date back a few weeks or something. Let's talk about release dates since I feel like everything you're looking at is is Labor Day and after, right? Like almost entirely. There are movies that have been nominated for Best Picture that have come out in the spring, Grand Budapest Hotel, Blue Jasmine, all that. But like, sure. we and kind of already be, know about those. Yeah, things. and there yeah. will be this year. But if you're playing the odds, and that's what sort of these things are, you're sort of you're playing the odds. There's that Michael Keaton movie, The Founder, that comes out in August. Oh, in yeah, the help slot. In, yeah, in the help the butler right. slot. And I have a feeling that they're going to want to push him for an acting award. And also, Laura Dern plays his wife in that. And those are the kind of movies where like, great man has an idea and also <laughs> has a wife. And like, it's like depressing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's depressing but, and it's a little wow. cynical. But like, but it could also be the great Kinnear windshield wiper movie. That's exactly so. what I was just all flash. That's also very true. And it's the guy who yeah. directed The Blind Side. Oh. So it's like, well, it got Sandra Bullock a nomination or a win, but it was also not very good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Says me, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so most of it is. So you look for stuff that's opening in November and December. A big sort of red flag, or what, what's the opposite of a red flag? The good thing. Indicator. Green flag? Yes. Yes. <laughs> thank you. La La Land just got mo- the Damien Chazelle uh, musical starring Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone just got moved to a December release date, which to me sounds like an indicator that they think it's really good and that it could be and an awards play. I was saying before we started recording, I won't name names, but an inside source told me that it's, quote, a masterpiece, so... Or that he hears uh, it's Or that he hears it's Tuesday, yeah. So I'm, this is, like, fourth-hand, shadowy, <laughs> sure. unverified information. But, but even just from the and title... And possibly campaigning, part of Well, yeah. yes. Yeah. Like, so, flipping yeah. it to you. Yeah. yeah. And but, it oh, that's a good point. But <laughs> that's also a sign that <laughs> they is. think it has a chance. Yeah, if they're right. already working people yeah. now, yeah. like, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like, that's a really good sign. And it's called La La Land. Like, it's about L.A. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, Hollywood loves stuff about Hollywood. Yeah. It's, you know. Although the release date thing, like, I remember a week or two ago, this Mark Wahlberg Boston Bomber movie got set for, like, December. 
December 25th or thereabouts. And people were saying it's an award season release date, but that's also the American Sniper release date. And American Sniper got a Best Picture nomination. But right. I feel like there's a model there that isn't that's necessarily more financial. Right. right. December, there's a holiday, there's yeah. a holiday thing that yes. just people going to the movies. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. So if Mark Wahlberg gets an Oscar, you can all tell me I'm wrong. But right. I'm, I'm skeptical about that one at least. But then I would look at something like the new Ang Lee movie, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, which is about a soldier who's come home from the war and it like it's so Americana it has to do with like halftime at a Dallas Cowboys football game you know what I mean like <laughs> well some of these movies it's like why make them if you're not trying to get an Oscar right, sure. right? Oh, I mean yeah. it's, in some cases yeah. Yeah. Bangly adaptation the, of a novel like yeah, ding, ding, ding. about a soldier yeah. walking around for hours yeah. <laughs> that one the thing that has me excited about that one is Vin Diesel has a very big supporting uh, role in that movie well, and uh, I don't know you know who knows like that's is that star in that I know Kristen Stewart Garrett Hedlund the, no. the, the guy who plays Billy Lynn is not an actor whose name I recognize and I can't remember it now and I'm so sorry. I'm so supposed to be like you know, Life of Kristen Pi Stewart, style. isn't it? Yeah, She's Kristen in it. Stewart's in it. Yeah. Yep. But Vin Diesel plays a soldier in that movie and it sounds like it's a, something of a featured supporting performance and like I could see a campaign coming, you know, coming up See, now here. you got me excited. Like Vin Diesel Oscar campaign. I'm, I'm trying ready. to think what I'm going to do for Joe if Vin Diesel gets an Oscar nominee. <laughs> buy you yeah. something yeah. expensive. A, a Groot toy. Yeah. Yeah. Like head right. yeah. Yes, sure. But something. So something about Billy Lynn's a halftime, long halftime walk that they just announced last week, I think, is that it's running at, they're, they're, they're projecting it in like 128 frames per second or something, oh, which no. is faster than it. So it sounds like it has a whiff of like the the walk the the uh-huh. uh, Philip Petit movie about or it Life or of Life of Pi. Right. So, but it has this technical aspect to it that yeah. might detract from the story of it. But I don't know. Yeah, and that's a very good point. And it's going to be like an IMAX 3D. It's going to be kind of like a big. There thing, are best but... case scenarios and worst case scenarios along those yeah. lines, and I think that's right. I think Life of Pi or The Walk is probably a good like yeah, that's either a, or. That's a tightrope that you walk. Yeah, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Okay, what else? So you've got a movie called Lion that is coming out in late November. Late November seems to be Which like a Which I have seen spot. a trailer for. Already? Yeah, wow. they oh. showed it at Cannes last year. The Weinsteins do a presentation at Cannes oh. every year. And this, so they showed uh, trailers for stuff that came out last year and then also this coming year. It looks good. That was yeah. the one where they yeah. tried to sell you on Jake Gyllenhaal winning an Oscar for South Pole. They right? sure did for about yeah. an hour. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> seems like something. And again, so... Wait, wait, what is Lion? I think this is another one that's based on a novel. It's directed by Garth Davis, who directed a lot of Top of the Lake, perhaps all of Top mm. of the Lake. Starring Dev Patel, Nicole Kidman, Remar. It's about a child in India who essentially loses his family and gets adopted by an Australian family. And then when he becomes an adult, he goes to try and find his Indian family. Using Google Maps. Oh, is that it? Oh, yeah. okay, Google, right. Did like, Google sponsor yeah. this movie? No, I think it's a true story. Oh, is that true? I think. Okay. Yeah, but I is bet you they line? got money from Google. Right. I know how this <laughs> they, works. No, they use Bing. Right. So that seems to be, and again, like, not every movie that Harvey Weinstein gets behind gets pushed because, like, we saw what happened with Southpaw. Yeah. But he's been somebody who's been successful with the Oscars before, obviously. So that's at least something where you know it's going to be on voters' radars. Yeah. So they will have the chance to sort of evaluate it. On Oscar terms. This is not related to anything, but jumping off of that, we talked about Birth of a Nation at Sundance when uh, Richard was there. It got bought for huge money. Obviously, that's one of the big ones on everyone's radars. I think it's set for an October release date, like around the same time that Fox Searchlight opened 12 Years a Slave. Do yeah. I have that right? I mean, our prediction when we've been talking about the whole Oscar So White thing is that there's going to be a big push for movies with not all white casts for once. Is there anything else on your radar that you see kind of bubbling up in that trend? If that, I mean, if it's fair to call it a trend and if that actually winds up happening? No, and I think you're right. I think there's going to be a lot of 
pressure for this year to not be the third year in a row with all white nominees. You know what I mean? So like, so I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on something like The Birth of a Nation, which is good and not good. Like that's a lot of expectation to heap onto one movie. So a movie made by a first time director, right? And I think again, it's it's you you look at the release schedule, and it's again you need to be you need to have voters willing to look sort of everywhere. So like there's a Tupac Shakur biopic that's coming out. Feels like it's shaping up to be a kind of straight out of Compton play. Denai Guerrero, who is on The, the Walking, Walking Dead, Dead um, and just wrote a play that Lupita Nyong'o is in on Broadway, uh, plays Tupac's mother. So like that's a possible like supporting. It's weird that Emma Stone is playing Tupac, though. I thought I think that's <laughs> that was bad casting. That was questionable <laughs> yeah. for sure. But, but wait, Tupac's mother is around, right? And she's like a very legit person, I believe. I think that Tupac's father was a Black Panther and his mother's like a pretty heavy-duty intellectual. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, yeah. His, and, mo- his mother's a, uh, a real sort of staunch character, I would say. And so I this th- isn't just a great man with a woman in his life. This is like an actual interesting character. Yeah. Well, my we more cynical point was that she may be out and about and either right. kind mm-hmm. of helping the film a lot by being amazing or possibly making it, you know, giving it trouble by being controversial. Always uh, a possibility. And, but one thing that I think is interesting, and Joe, I'd love to hear your thought, is like, it, it, we we see. I feel like we see this a lot, where something like Straight Outta Compton, that's sort of new to the Oscar conversation, yeah. comes in and makes a little bit of a splash, but can't quite go the distance. And then a year or two later, something else that's similar, the sure. pump has been primed, and mm-hmm. people are like, "Oh, good." Let's that is one hundred percent, yeah, the case. And that's that's. I think that's what uh, the movie is called. All Eyes on Me, by the way, the Tupac movie. So I think that's what they would be counting on. I think also to that same point. All that push for Selma a couple years ago, and it didn't really get anything but the two nominations. You look at David Oyelowo this year, who has a lot of opportunities to get noticed, where he's in a movie called A United Kingdom with him and Rosamund Pike. From the director of Bell. From the director of Bell, Ama Asante. And that's Um, the first thing she's made since Gone Girl, right? Is that right? Rosamund Pike? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So so Oyelowo plays a some sort of royalty from a country in Africa and Rosamund Pike plays a British woman who he falls in love with and I think this is based on a true story as mm-hmm. well he's also in a movie uh, the new Mira Nair movie with Lupita Nyong'o called Queen, Queen of Cotway Queen of Cotway and that's a Disney movie that's like a big studio release yeah so and then he's in the Nina Simone movie which has its own controversies <laughs> and problems again Emma Stone weird cast <laughs> again <laughs> Um, with Zoe Saldana's getting a lot of uh, flack for playing Nina Simone in that movie. A Yellowo is going to have, like, they will have their opportunities to make it up for him for not nominating him for Selma. And that seems like something that's like the narrative that could definitely be driven this year. Like, it's And he time. seems like beloved. Like, yeah. he hasn't been around that long, but like, people really want to work with him. And, yeah. and you know, I don't know. Well, he's like, isn't he like a very legit actor who spent a long, yeah. long time working on Selma and kind of mm-hmm. has just. Yeah. He also had that interesting statistic recently that he has worked with more women directors than like any of the hundred top actors. This was just, yeah. And he's like, he sought out working with women. Like it's a very, it was an interesting thing about him that I hadn't really noticed. But then when you step back and look at his resume, you're like, oh wow, he's worked with a lot of women. He's hitting like the trend of diversity and the trend of women directors. But I think sort of (laughs) organically, I don't think he's forcing it, which is cool. That's uh, good on him. Yeah. And uh, Will Smith is going to be in a movie at the end of the year called Collateral Beauty that is directed by, I think it's David Frankel who directed Devil Wears Prada. I could be wrong on that, but I don't think I think I'm right on that. Which 
that's another sort of end of the year. Who knows? It could be concussion. Right. Exactly. It could be. But it's it's uh, there's a lot of stars in that. I want to say Kate Winslet is in that one. All right. So we could go on forever predicting how this is going to go. But wait. So what are you excited about? Like what's like Vin Diesel Oscar campaign sounds fun. I'm up for a racial vice supporting actress thing after youth. Like, I what, love it. What's the narrative that like actually you're excited to see if it manages to play out? I mean, excited is maybe not the right word. But, <laughs> we have a long um, summer to get through first. Well, right. But also like. So Andrew Garfield is in a couple movies at the end of the year that I think could be the stuff of his first Oscar nomination. He's in the new Martin Scorsese movie, which sounds like it's a supporting role to Liam Neeson, although it's tough to tell. This is Silence? This is Silence. This is the movie he uh, that's set in Japan. But monks and like monks. the 12th century, somewhere way back in time. Exactly. Uh, Liam Neeson, Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver are in that thing. I, it's It's interesting to see Scorsese step out of the DiCaprio thing for a moment to step out of, to step into sort of an interesting milieu for him. And I mm-hmm. think that could be very exciting. Andrew Garfield is also the lead actor in a movie called Hacksaw Ridge about a conscientious objector in World War II that is directed by, everybody get ready, Mel Gibson. <laughs> so uh, the that's another one where like the... the Do the, the Nazis win in this one? <laughs> I know. It's like Inglorious Bastards with yeah. the opposite. Right. <laughs> yeah. So Mel Gibson. Emma Stone is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I don't know if anybody is ready for the Mel Gibson comeback tour, but like Stranger Things have definitely. But people happened. are ready for Andrew Garfield. I mean, he was so good yes. in 99 Homes last year. And like, I feel I like agree. talking about priming the pump, like this might mm-hmm. be like time for him. And when that I would think be about exciting. him not getting nominated for the social network, I still get mad yeah. about it. It's like surprising that that didn't happen. Yeah. No, agreed. And he's just great. So I'm, I'm curious about It's been enough time since Spider Man that we can. Uh, break yeah, I like those Spider-Man yeah. movies. I know no one else does, but Emma also, Stone was amazing in that. No, hey, she was yeah. actually amazing. <laughs> yeah. In that. Yeah. yeah, I'm kind of excited for the Oliver Stone Edward Snowden movie. Although, Ooh. talk about like a director who used to be like catnip for Oscar and has really, really become not that. Was his last movie The Savages or Savages? It was, and I I loved that movie. It's a good movie. It's not a bad movie. Salma I loved it. Should have gotten an Oscar nomination I, for that. Movie. You know I agree with you on that one. You <laughs> yeah. know I do. Um, but this movie also was supposed to open last October and got pushed like almost a full year. Yeah, this just, is where Oliver Stone could go so right or so horribly wrong. World Trade Center was the same kind of thing where it's just yeah. like it's you know all the all the stuff is there for it, but they just didn't go but for also, it. Also, like with Oliver Stone. You know, the, the thing about the Snowden story, it's so crazy, you could actually pull back and you just know that yeah. he doesn't operate in that mode. Right. He's going to go in mm-hmm. and, and add more crazy shit <laughs> yep. to it that yep. is not necessary, I suspect. Yeah. Um, and also Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Snowden. Like, I think it was wise not to open it last fall when The Walk came out and, and yes. no one wanted anything to do with it. So give him time to yeah. come back. But also, interesting tidbit, Melissa, uh, tidbit, Melissa Leo playing Laura Poitras, Oscar winner playing an Oscar winner, which oh, is... Yeah. You don't huh. see that, but, you know, that's a that's a tough needle to thread. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Could this could Blanchett so not good. count because she hadn't won her Oscar yet when she played uh, Catherine Hepburn? No, she, ha- right, because she won the Oscar for playing Catherine Hepburn. All right, Hepburn. tricky. So, yeah, this yeah. is a hall of mirrors. Exactly. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I guess Joe will have you back in uh, at some point this summer, maybe, and check yeah. in on how all these are. Yeah, looking. definitely hold my feet to the fire to all of these predictions and, and <laughs> excoriate me when I am wrong. I know. Well, I can't wait. We're for... excoriating you now. Yes, for even exactly. Doing it. 
<laughs> I'm looking forward <laughs> Making to you think like, about uh, the Hurt Locker somehow, like something like that, something that's already come out that winds up winning Best Picture that we're not seeing. Or, or a big short just... lurking that we're not going to find out about oh, until yeah, exactly. October. Yeah. Also that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mm-hmm. every Oscar season comes with its surprises, but uh, this is a pretty good starting point. So everyone should read your post on Decider talking about this, and we will high-mindedly say we don't like predicting the Oscars this early, but Certainly. obviously we secretly love talking about it anyway. Yeah, I'm sure I will be talking about it on Twitter from now until <laughs> yeah, the end of the year. Follow Joe on Twitter. So. Yeah. <laughs> At Emma Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, you and I saw Midnight Special. We did. From director Jeff Nichols of uh, mm-hmm. Take Shelter and Mud and Shotgun Stories, which I actually haven't seen. I don't know if you have. Uh, n- uh, no, I don't think I have, actually. Yeah. So yeah. he's been a popular indie director for a couple of years. This is like his big studio movie. It's with Warner Brothers. It's gotten a decent amount of advertising. There's a push yeah. behind it. Not like a Batman versus Superman push, but... Something. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it had a long lead up. They released a trailer months ago, and you know, it has a sci-fi adventure element to it that I think is marketable more than Mud was, for example. Yeah. Um, Take Shelter had that too, but that was such a dark, heavy. I mean, I love that movie, but it was that was not like a crowd pleasing kind of movie. Well, I would, I would argue Midnight Special. No, maybe it's isn't not. Either. It's not either. But it has. It's it's like a mix of like you know, there's a Spielbergy element to it. There's They're a Shyamalan element. Vibe. There's a weird. Have you ever seen the movie Mercury Rising with uh, Bruce Willis, where he he's protecting a kid? Miko Hughes is the actor's name. Who was on oh. Full House? Who has autism, but like has the code to some secret military thing mm. in his head. So it's basically him on the road with this like really supernaturally gifted child. This is it's that movie basically, yep. but um, with more of an extraterrestrial element. Yeah, and it's got Michael Shannon, who's playing the dad of this kid, who's trying yeah. to protect him. Joel Edgerton is kind of the friend who's helping along in the. Right Which is a really way. interesting role because it's it it doesn't really fit the typical schematic of these kind of movies where it would be like the mother and the father mm-hmm. and the kid and maybe an antagonist. Where Joel Edgerton is kind of this extra element to it, yeah. which I think is kind of cool because um, he's a great actor and yeah. yeah. So um, wait, what is Joel Edgerton in so the movie? He's, so he's so. Much Michael Shannon has this son who has this these powers and this ability to kind of see things that the son has been kind of picked up by this doomsday cult for a while. He's been living with them. It's like treated as their prophet. And then at some point it becomes clear they have to take him away from this cult and bring him on a road trip to an undisclosed location, basically. And Joel Edgerton is a childhood friend of Michael Shannon's who he basically says, listen, I need your help. You need to come with me. And I think he's in there kind of as an audience surrogate. Like uh, he's there to ask some of the questions that we don't have a way of knowing. And also as proof, like he has been so convinced by this kid because they talk a lot about the kid's powers before they really show it and there's a lot of kind of hinting and a lot of secrecy in this movie which is I think one of the problems but Joel Edgerton is kind of there to be like look that's how powerful that kid is yeah and the movie picks right. up very much in Medios Race so it's, yes. we don't we don't get any sort of introduction to anything really so it just kind of we're, we're on the road we're going yeah um, and so yeah you're right that Edgerton's character is like wait <laughs> but what about yeah, and <laughs> yeah. So, and then, yeah. And then uh, Kirsten true. Dunst shows up eventually as the and she mom. is fantastic She's and it's really, really great to see her with uh, at first you think oh it's going to be this kind of like boring, doting mother role, but it gets more complicated, and 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 she gets a like as the movie goes, she almost takes focus from Michael Shannon, which is kind of mm-hmm. I mean, almost. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know. I think she's great, and and it's exciting she, to her see her. Face can just do incredible things. I mean, yeah. she's been acting a really yeah. long time. So yeah. Like, uh, well, there's a couple scenes. I don't not to spoil anything toward the end of the movie where she's sort of in awe of something, and it's shades of melancholia. You know why why she kind of worked, <laughs> you know, well in that yeah. all these sort of big very different celestial events happening that that yeah. she's. 
observing. Also, Adam Driver is kind of kind oh, of yeah. the antagonist scientist role. Yeah. He's like working yeah. with the, so the government is also after this kid to kind of try to figure out what he knows and yeah. why he knows it. And, As right. the government always is. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. Adam Driver, I feel like this movie proves that he has this ability to show up and you're like, why is Adam Driver here? He can't play this role and then, then be can. great. Yeah. yeah. He's mm-hmm. great in it and you have yeah. no mm-hmm. idea why. Yeah. He's got, he's a rising villain. Yeah, well, and, yeah. and, and it's yeah. interesting because he's like he's kind of a villain, but he's kind of not. Like he's got this complexity to yeah. him, and like he's and just interesting to watch. And yeah. he, you know, he, he looks maybe a little goofy at what, right in this first second yeah. where he's on screen, and then right. then you kind of get used to it. And well, it's like um like when we saw uh, Star Wars, like at in the Star Zik- Wars, well, yeah. yeah, well, because like, like when people <laughs> laugh when he takes the helmet off, but right. then a second later they're totally into it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, he's yeah. I don't know. I think honestly at this point I think he can do anything. Yeah, Richard, I think you liked Midnight Special a little bit more than me. It fell apart for me kind of toward the end, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But what what sold you in this movie kind of throughout? I liked that it traffics in a lot of familiar. I mean, you know, we mentioned Spielberg or Shyamalan or whatever. I mean, it, it, it or Mercury Rising, which everyone's familiar with. Um, Classic. But it, it has a lot of these familiar storylines about, like, you know, man protecting his son and the kid is kind of special, whatever. But that because it's Jeff Nichols, it has a darker sort of more indie take on it. I think that although we don't get much of it, the stuff with this kind of doomsday cult that's led by Sam Shepard oh, yeah. is really fascinating and really, I mean, you almost want the movie to kind of turn and focus on that and find out what that's all about. I would um, join a doomsday cult led by Sam Shepard. I'm in I one. I'm in one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. oh, Jessica Lange recruited me, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You look great in your prairie dress. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's thrilling. But I, I like that aspect of it. And I think I, I also really like its ambition. You know, I think it's one of those movies that we're seeing more of as the years go on where they're not huge budget, but they figure out a way to tell a pretty big story and in some cases do some special effects, which arguably are, are the movie's weak point but like I, I like that they took on a lot and that it trades in some ambiguity but answers some questions and I and I think that you know I think it, it I like I think it uh, treads the line in between sort of a big budget thing and a sort of impenetrable indie really well yeah take shelter was he famously you know he got Michael Shannon as this father who thinks the end of the world is coming yeah. and you never know if he's right or not until right. kind of the very end sort of yeah and this movie does a lot of the same like really not giving you answers like it's not going to lay everything out for you it's going to bring up far more questions than it's going to answer yeah which I admire but also think hamstrings the movie a little bit toward the end like there's a lot even in the very last shot of the movie I'm like I don't know what I'm supposed to think I don't know like what I'm learning from even looking at this information on screen right and it's it's I, I appreciate it. I'm really glad that Warner Brothers funded this movie. I think mm-hmm. it's a really fascinating contrast to Cloverfield Lane because yeah. that movie is a movie made by an untested director. It's an original idea, it, but it's being put together as part of a franchise and did really well. I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Midnight Special. Yeah, I hope people see it. I mean, I think that it does feel more maybe like a genre exercise for Jeff Nichols than it does a complete movie, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I you know we see movies for free. So it, for me, like the kind of... You know, the standard of sort of entertainment is maybe lower for people who are paying 15 bucks and parking and whatever. So maybe it might be unsatisfying in that way. But I, I thought it was just really interesting to watch. And I think that they're, I mean, the opening shot is incredible. A lot of the shots within the movie are great. I think the acting, even the kid is good. Yeah, I think it's well good. worth seeing if you're kind of, you know, if you're, we, we got a week to go till Batman, Superman. So just wait for that and <laughs> go see this versus, although 10 Cloverfield is good too. Maybe. Yeah. You know. I mean, I do, I do like something that kind of pricks your brain and asks you to think about things and kind of uh-huh. puts yeah. you, like sends you off in a bunch of different directions. Yeah. And it does a really good job of that. So yeah, like, like you said, it's something that like asks something of you 
if you're gonna pay 15 bucks with parking, like you know, might not be your top choice. But yeah. you know, if you, come on, don't wait for Batman versus Superman. Like, no. we'll talk about that. But come yeah. on, it can't be. <laughs> this has to be better than that, right? Uh, I well, we'll see. We'll see. I it's more up, up more up my alley. Let's say <laughs> if you were um, uh, collapsing buildings. And it is interesting for the purposes of this podcast that Jeff Nichols has another movie coming out this year called Loving about yes. Loving versus Virginia, the Supreme Court case that you know made uh, interracial marriage legal uh, in certain states. So that Joel Edgerton is in. That Joel Edgerton is in. Yes. Um, so it's like he's having that director's having an interesting year after being away for a few few years. Yeah, it's um, been a couple of years since Mud. So, Mud came out before um, Dallas Buyers Club. Like that was part of the reconnaissance buildup. To and it was Buyers weirdly Club. dovetailed with Reese Witherspoon's Renaissance, mm-hmm. the Witherspoonessence. I don't yeah. know. Um, the, <laughs> no, the resurgence. I, I, the I resurgence. Took care that's of it, that's so what it was. It didn't catch on. Thank but you. I'm bringing it back. The resurgence. Um, yeah. So it's been a while, and I think that if he's doing two very different movies this year. Midnight specials, well, we're seeing just to kind of follow that little narrative. Definitely a director worth following. Yeah. So as we discussed with Joe Reed earlier, we're not totally crazy enough to make our predictions for the Oscars just yet. So we're going to close with something a little bit sillier and, you know, maybe informative. Guys, if the Oscars were held tomorrow based on what has already been released in 2016, what would win Best Picture? Richard, you've seen more movies than any of us. Right, but we're talking about already released, not stuff I've seen at Sundance. No, this is like the Oscars are being held tomorrow at the Dolby Theater. Oh, gosh, that's hard. I mean, I, I would say this so far this year, I really liked 10 Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> I like <laughs> hey, it's, Midnight it's, it's pretty successful. Special. I'm suddenly, wait, help me out. What, what came out so in my, here's my February? Bold, here's my bold pick. Yeah. The Witch. A24 won oh, three Oscars. Okay. They are on a roll. The Witch was incredibly yeah. well acclaimed. It's that's a genre good. movie, but it's made really well. It's like had built up a year of goodwill. It's a critic's favorite. <laughs> I mean, this is all imaginary but right. the witch would be my pick okay i'd go hail caesar ah good one even though yeah. it didn't uh didn't do very well it didn't do very well but it got good reviews i gave it a great review which yeah. is always the biggest predictor of, yeah. of the oscars <laughs> uh, as as last year proves and i think you know there's some great performances it's uh, about hollywood yeah, true. and they like that yeah. so that's what Just i would play that channing tatum dance number on a loop for oscar voters that's exactly that. right there's your, there's your win yeah uh mike what do you think this is a movie that has already come out this year that's going to win it's Best absurd. Picture. Yeah, it's this absurd. Is, this is the thought experience. If the Oscars were held on Sunday. Yeah. Tomorrow. I haven't even seen any movies I know. This year. I've just I haven't been seen hiding. The Witch. I'm afraid to see The Witch. I, <laughs> I, I refuse. Said, I, I reject I said you could pick a... Uh, you should pick, I conscientiously object. You should pick People versus O.J. Simpson. But that can't win an Oscar. I know, it's a TV but come show. On, this, is, this is thought experiment. Well, time. Uh, Midnight Special sounds pretty good the okay. way you guys describe it. So I think I'll, uh, the Best Picture Award goes to Midnight <laughs> Special. Congratulations, <laughs> Jeff Nichols and all the whole producing team. <laughs> that does it for the 88th Academy Awards. See you next year. <laughs> That does it for this week's Little Gold Men. Thank you so much for listening and joining us for the off-season. Uh, please remember to rate us and review us on iTunes. It helps us find new listeners. And I think uh, in this time when the Oscars are a distant memory, we need to remind people that there's lots of great stuff to talk about. And we will not just talk about Oscar predictions for the next year, I promise. You can find all of us writing on VanityFair.com. And you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Katie Rich. Mike? Mike underscore Hogan. And Richard? Rylaws, R-I-L-A-W-S. This episode was produced by Sam Dingman and edited by Tim Einenkel. And thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. And this week's award for line that could go on David Oyelowo's Tinder profile goes to Richard Lawson. He 
has worked with more women directors than like any of the hundred top actors. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. From PR.